For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Almost Richard Skipper. Happy Veterans Day, everyone. I want to first of all acknowledge our veterans before we jump into today's show. My father was a veteran. He served in the Navy. Uh, my father was in Cuba during the Bay of Pigs. My brother is a veteran. Uh, my nephew is a veteran. So I want to shout out to all veterans everywhere. Thank you for your service to this country. Thank you to everyone. We know who you are, so thank you. We acknowledge all of you today. Uh, I want to celebrate everybody who's here today. Sherry Callahan, Aaron Kelly, who is our uh, sponsor today. So thank you for making this show happen. Danielle, Russ Woolley is here. So I'm going to ask Sherry, first of all, as I talk for a few moments, uh, to pick our number, our first number, number one through five, to bring our first guest on today. Like, let's make a deal. We'll see who our first guest is. Uh, Deborah Stone is here. We have five amazing men who are all waiting in the wings right now. They're all chomping at the bit to see who's going to come on. The word of the day is individuality. Each of these men are all individuals in terms of what they bring to the table. And I'm here today to celebrate each and every one of them. We have a couple of entertainers here. We have a retired judge who is an amazing interviewer who gives me a run for my money and causes me to raise the bar as high as I possibly can. We have an amazing author who is here today. Uh, we just have some amazing people waiting. Uh, now let's see, I'm still waiting, Sherry, for you to pick your number. Uh, she is picking number three, and that brings up a man who is going to be appearing at Pangea. He's become an entrepreneur. He works with Charles Bush. He's got an amazing history. I think he knows who he is, and that's Tom Judson. Tom, I'm so thrilled that you were here. Uh, Thank first, you. I, I sound pretty exciting. You are exciting. <laughs> uh, I have to say you excite me. How's that? <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. Tom, I want to ask you, I begin all of my shows by asking our guests, who or what are you celebrating today? Oh, you mean specifically today or? Um, in general, or, anything. Well, you know, I'm celebrating being inside from this deluge. Uh, you say it's raining. I, I live up in the Hudson Valley, as you know. So do I. Oh, where? Uh, well, I'm in Rockland County. Oh, I'm, I'm up in Greene County. Okay. Red, green county. Yes. And, uh, and it's pouring rain up here. It's, it's, it's been so beautiful. I'm, you know, I'm celebra celebrating this incredible weather that we've had lately. It's just, this was an, an amazing fall for the leaves up here. It was just spectacular this year. And it's been in the 50s and 60s. It's strange, <laughs> but it's been very nice. So I'm just celebrating having a wonderful time inside on a rainy afternoon. Well, let's also celebrate Beckley. Uh, you're uh, the publicist uh, who is the publicist for Pangea because he sent me a press release and I said if any of his of the clients that are coming up at Pangea would like to appear on the show, uh, I would love to welcome all of you. And I and jumped. Said, uh, and you jumped. And here <laughs> you are. You are going to be at Pangea on November 20th. Correct. Uh, a week from I, Sunday. Uh, yes. And tell us a little bit about your show. Well, uh, this show, it's, uh, you know, I, I, when I perform it these days, it's mostly as Charles Bush's musical director. 
but occasionally I will do my own solo cabaret act and I love to do it because I only do it. There's, there's my, there you are. because I do it only yeah, occasionally. This is just great. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it's, I, I don't always have a show in the bag that I can just pull out and do. So there's a little theater up here in Catskill, New York, where I live called the bridge street theater. And I know the two fellows who run it very well. And last year they asked me if I wanted to do a, a solo act for their theater this past summer. And I sort of said yes, hoping they would forget, but they didn't. So I, I, I have, a, I don't know about you, but I have a, I have a list of themes for shows to do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we can compare notes. <laughs> so one of those theme, one of those uh, themes on the list was songs about the moon. So I've always been fascinated about, well, I mean, the entire human race and the non-human race is, is fast, is captivated by the moon. I mean, literally, physically. Are so, you aware that I do a full moon, a full moon positive book club show? Oh, say that again. I do a full moon. That's a mouthful. A full moon positive book club show. I did not uh, know that. I, I truly feel every full moon. moon. Every full moon. Wow. Yes. Well, it's it's. It, I mean, it really is amazing. I, in fact, this coming Monday, I will turn sixty-two, and uh, I calculated that means that I've seen seven hundred and forty-four full moons in my lifetime and yet last night i don't even think it's a full moon now last night i walked outside and it's this huge moon and i just like you know just stand there captivated so i put this show together and let me tell you richard it was it was very difficult because there are so many songs about the moon just songs that have the word moon in the title that is a huge list so i narrowed it down to about 13 and what i decided to do was to go the lesser known an obscure route. There are a couple of war horses in there. Of course, Moon River, of course. You can't do that. I can't can't believe, uh, that Moon River. Danielle, uh, well, I can't believe that you mentioned Moon River because Moon River uh, was my grandmother and, uh, well, it was our song. And uh, my grandmother's birthday was on the 7th. And the other night I was talking to my husband and I said, tomorrow is my grandmother's birthday. I, I'm not kidding you when I say this. I had my device on. I will not mention the name because it will go off. But I mentioned uh, Moon River and the, uh, that it was my grandmother's birthday. And the moment I said that, Moon River came on on the device. Beautiful. People may think I'm crazy when I'm saying this, but it's the truth. And you just mentioned it again. So there it is. And in my show, I, I, I think inspired by Charles, really, I tell story, personal stories in my show as well as singing songs. And in conjunction with Moon River, I tell this story about the in in 1994 when Henry Mancini died my late husband Bruce and I threw a Henry Mancini memorial cocktail party wow and I tell the story of that and it's actually it's actually a very sweet touching story so it's it, it yeah moon river is a very special song to me as well wow. so so that's that's what it is it's and and Charles is going to be as you saw from the poster Charles is going to be my my guest and he's going to sing a couple of songs that we've done before <clears throat> So uh, I'm really looking forward to it because when I did it in August up here in Catskill, I was very, very happy with how it went. So, and you know, as, as you know, the first time you do a new show, you're just, you know, you're a little tense and trying to get things to gel. So 
I'm really looking forward to doing it again since I will be so much more relaxed. Well, I'm going to do everything in my power to be there. Uh, I've got uh, a, a myriad of reasons now why I have to be there. Um, I also, uh, before we bring our next guest on, uh, and we're going to spend more time. You're not going to be rushing off or anything. You're going to spend a little time with us, I hope. Uh, but I also want to talk about this. And I'm going to bring this on the bottom of the screen. You have your own uh, Etsy uh, uh, channel or station. Uh, shop. Or shop. Uh, and you make these incredible T-shirts. Tomorrow afternoon, I want to put a, a plug out for this. Susan L. Schulman, who was a very dear friend of mine, and Charles Kirsch. Um, and Charles is joining forces with me tomorrow. Oh, great. great. He'll be there at my show, by the way. Yeah, oh, well, we will be there together. I'm going to do everything <laughs> in my power to be there. Uh, we are joining forces tomorrow afternoon, and he's become uh, almost like a muse for you because he's always wearing your T-shirts. I mean, forget Bruce Valanche and his T-shirts. It's Tom Judson's T-shirts that we all should be wearing right now. How did you come up with this idea for these incredible T-shirts? Well, thank you, Richard. By the way, Bruce has a, has a few of my T-shirts. Okay. I have some wonderful pictures with some hugely famous people, and he's standing there wearing my T-shirts. Well, what, what my shop is about, my shop has, has basically two different themes of T-shirts. One is, um, when it's, it's a little hard to explain, it's signage that was or could have been in a movie. For instance, I have a shirt from the Bailey Brothers Savings and Loans from It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. Just things like that. And, and so really obscure things. I, I have a, <laughs> a shirt that reproduces, this is so obscure. In the movie 2001, at one point, Floyd Haywood goes to the use the bathroom on this moon shuttle. And there's this huge long list of instructions to use a zero gravity toilet. So I just just weird things like that. But the other, the other uh, side of my shop is I make Broadway show t-shirts, but only from flop shows that never had a t-shirt. <laughs> and I, I got the idea to do this because when I was, I, I started coming to Broadway shows in 1975. And so I had a whole box full of Broadway show t-shirts from the late 70s. And when I moved out, my mom just tossed them. <laughs> and I was so disappointed at that. Well, a few years ago, when I found online that you can, you know, do anything, I thought, oh, it would actually be fun to recreate some of those shirts for myself to have them. And a friend of mine saw me wearing one and she said, well, you know, you're not the only one that's going to want those. So I started this whole, I, I think I have about 130 different shows in my shop. And, and I do have to say, because uh, people always ask me about this, it says right on the front page of my shop, I do not have the rights to them. And I, I don't claim to. And if anybody ever comes to me with the rights, I will immediately remove that design if they want and turn over all whatever profits mm -hmm. I've got from that design. So I just want to make that very clear because it really is a labor of love. And, and so far that has not happened, by the way. So um, it's... It's really uh, interesting to see <laughs> which shows sell. Like, for instance, I have a show, a T-shirt from the original poster art from Carrie. Wow. That wow. is one of my biggest sellers. And who would have thought? 
Well, I want to let everyone know that all of this information is on the YouTube channel so that everyone can go there and get all this information. Uh, but I want you to pick a number of one through five because I have some random questions. And um, you'll pick okay. a specific question uh, for yourself. Four. And the question is, what opportunity for love or money have you given up and do you regret it now? <laughs> um, I can tell you, no, I don't regret it. If I, I haven't come up with one yet, but I never regret anything. Okay. Um, I, I have, I can't think of anything specifically, but I have turned down opportunities to perform in certain things because for, for crazy reasons. Um, okay. <laughs> You're okay. I'll get, I'll give you a better one. Okay. Um, I have, I, you know, I used to be this adult porn star named Gus Maddox. Yes. And I, I became very, very uh, successful very quickly. No, so everyone's left the show. They're looking you up right now. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. <laughs> and they're going to find a lot. So uh, I used, I was very, um, I had a, I had a very clear trajectory with that, that strange career of mine. I just wanted to become, more visible so I could exploit that for other aspects of my performing life. And so I was, uh, I only wanted to be in classy productions. <laughs> so there, there actually were, this is true. There actually were a couple of companies that approached me to star in some of their movies, but I didn't like their packaging, their graphics. So I thought, I don't want to be on the shelf in some tacky DVD cover. So I said, <laughs> so I said no. But you don't I bet nobody's ever given you that answer before. That's great, but you don't regret it. So <laughs> let's bring on our next guest. One through four. Uh, one, please. Okay. I am so excited that he is here today. And I'm going to bring up a photograph of him because he is a true veteran. Look, Wow. Like, uh, can you believe this? I mean, now this looks like it could be from one of your former friends. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> A perfect segue to Scott Brogan. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a birthday coming up. Scott, I love it. I, he said, pick the photograph that you want to pick. That's the one I picked. I love it. <laughs> that was in training. That was a few years ago. <laughs> you know, first of all, thank you for your service uh, on every level. Uh, so uh, thanks for being here today. And uh, who or what are you celebrating today? And uh, and I'm so glad that you both are meeting today. Uh, yeah, um, actually, I celebrate my father and my grandfather because my grandfather served in World War One, and he was uh, in France. And uh, luckily, he came back, <laughs> or else I wouldn't be here. And um, and my dad was uh, 32 years Navy, so uh, I grew up as a Navy brat, and uh, so it kind of made sense that I ended up in the military at some point. Or another, even though my dad was never the kind of dad who was like, you will join the, you know, I knew a lot of kids who had dads like that, but he wasn't like that at all. Um, <clears throat> but actually what's funny about that is because he was Navy, but I went into the army and I told him, I said, well, dad, I hope, you know, I, I decided to go in the army, not the Navy. And he's like, that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't mind. I said, well, good, because I just did not want to get stuck on a ship for six months at a time. I was like, there's just no way. And uh, he just laughed about that. And he said, um, he goes, son, I don't care what branch of service you join, as long as it's not the Marines. 
because they're just a bunch of train killers and you won't learn a goddamn thing. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, well, the Navy and the Marines always have that little competition thing going on. So that was pretty funny. But I celebrate them because they really instilled in us a real, um, uh, a really strong work ethic and a uh, just uh, a lot of really strong morals that um, mm -hmm. just for everyday life. I'm, I'm not talking about religious or anything like that, just morals in everyday life that I sometimes think are sadly lacking these days. <laughs> so uh, so that's what I always celebrate is my dad and, and my granddad. Great. Uh, I want to talk about something else that Scott celebrates. Uh, Scott truly celebrates Judy Garland. Uh, that's the background that he has on a <laughs> level that uh, very few people do because Scott has an incredible site called the Judy Room. And what Scott does is each day he takes us throughout her entire life on the events that happened on that specific day. Have you ever visited the Judy Room, Tom? Uh, no, but I'm going to right now. <laughs> oh, it, I mean, it, well, not right now, but later. Uh, it is an amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing uh, uh, Scott, uh, I, I don't want to, well, maybe, uh, you'll end up on Harvey Brownstone's show because uh, what the work you do oh, is fun. amazing. Yeah. Um, so, um, what happened today in the life of Judy Garland that you can share with us? Well, you're just going to have to go to the website and check it out. Well, it's, uh, I should have known you were going to ask me this. I have to come down here and look because today is November 10th, but, uh, so it's the judyroom.com, but if you go there, you'll see that's the, that's the regular website and there's a link there called blog. And, uh, if you click on that, or if you scroll down, you'll see a thing about, um, on this day in Judy Garland's life and career. And that's where it'll take you to the blog where the, um, where the, uh, individual posts are and it's separated out by day and it just features, uh, I've started it in 2018 and it took me a year to finish. I did each day, every day for a whole year, um, which in hindsight, I think, God, that's just something nutty, you know, to take on that kind of thing. And now I just keep adding to it. The more things I find, more and more newspaper archives uh, have been published online. So I'm able to get clarification on dates, uh, find out that some things happened when we didn't know they happened, uh, you know, things like that. But uh, what year did you want? And I'll see if something was going on that that year. Uh, Tom, do you have a particular year that you would like to know about? Yeah, let's say, um, let's say 1946. 46, uh, for November, oops, i Today, November 11th, I know, I clicked on November 10th. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, November 10th. It's what was my going on age. Okay, so I'm on November 11th. Let me see if there was something for 1946. Let me see. Or that 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 40 40 late 40s, mid to late 40s. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, let's see. On uh 19 on November 11th, 1947, Judy had a wardrobe and makeup test for Easter parade and she had a time called uh 10 a.m. Uh, and apparently what time she did she show? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Usually, well, yeah. Well, in the listings, they'll they'll know a right. They'll know time called ten a.m. and then they'll put 
arrived 11 a.m. Like they were very, very fastidious about that. I mean, MGM was just really very OCD. But this time, apparently she was on on time because it just says time called 10 a.m. And then she was dismissed at 5.50. So that was a long day of mm-hmm. wardrobe. That was the, was the faux film, F-A-U-X film in A Star is Born, uh, Bright Future Ahead. What was the film that she was, uh, that's on the big billboard? In- happiness Ahead. Happiness Ahead. Happiness. It's, one of, it's one of my t-shirt designs. That's what I was going to ask. You have a Happiness Ahead oh. t-shirt? Well, I'm, I'm at, oh, that's great. I'm at your, um, I'm at your Etsy site, so I'm gonna have to check that. Look for that one specifically. Yes, yeah, it's, it's under the. There, there's a movie, movie shirts and Broadway flap shirts. It'll be under the movie shirts, obviously. So I'm going okay. to give a happiness ahead T-shirt away today. That's going to be my giveaway for today. So uh, in honor of both of you. So Scott, you get to pick uh, a random question, one through four. Okay. Well, really quick though, can I just say happy birthday to Tom? Yeah, uh, his birthday's coming up. You have Richard. I don't know if you did this on purpose or it was the stars, but you have at least three Scorpios on your show today who are all born within this week. Yeah, I was sixty-two last Tuesday, and Tom, I think you said you're going to be six. Thank you. You're going to be sixty-two this weekend. Yep, on yeah, Monday. So Monday. It was a good year, nineteen sixty. That was a good year. <laughs> well, sixty-one for me, so I'm right behind. Uh, yeah, all of you, I know. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, happy birthday to all of you. So, your number one through four? Oh, um, we already did three and one, so I'll pick, uh, I'll pick four. Okay, and this is, it says, if you could only eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Are you asking me? Yes. One meal every day for the rest of my life. It would definitely be Mexican food of some kind, probably, probably super nachos because I mean, I would be as big as a house, if I had <laughs> but I would be a happy house. <laughs> That's good. And you get to bring on our next guest one through three. Oh, wait. Oh, it's one through three. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, two. Okay. And I am very excited because this guy has become a very good friend of mine. Uh, we've never physically met. I'm bringing him on uh, because he does amazing interviews. And, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, and he is here, Harvey Brownstone. Harvey is a retired judge who just in the last few years uh, started doing celebrity interviews. Check out his site, everyone. He is amazing. He's interviewed everybody. He gets the interviews I can't get. And <laughs> but I will tell you if I'm having a bad day or something, this man is right there to cheer me up. So Harvey, I I just adore you and uh and I love your interviews and I love what you bring to the table and you raise the bar for me. So I want to ask uh your last interview that you did, um, and I know that you just interviewed Tom Moore. Uh, who I love, love, love. Um, but was that your most recent interview that you've done? Yes, Tom Moore was the most recent one. Hello to Richard and to Tom and Scott. Thank you for having me on your show, Richard. And I adore you too. Thank you. Thank you. So Tom Moore, uh, who we both have had 
uh, so to speak. Uh, I'm in so, San Francisco. That's amazing. That's great. Go ahead. Sorry. So, no, Tom Moore is amazing. Uh, love him, and he and he still does the trapeze. Uh, so uh, that was your most recent. Who's coming up next? Oh, we've got uh, Frankie Avalon's coming on. Uh, Peter Noon is coming on. We've wow. got Sharon Gless, uh, Time Daly, uh, uh, Dionne Warwick, and Gladys Knight are coming. We've got a whole bunch lined up. Uh, uh, just uh, amazing. So, Harvey, what was it? I know that you, what was it initially that pulled you into this world that you, uh, wanted to sit down and start doing celebrity interviews because you have absolutely no background in this business whatsoever. <laughs> well, I was a lawyer and a judge. I was a lawyer for 12 years and a judge for 26 years. So I did my share of examining and cross-examining people, that's for sure. But I did it in a courtroom and I used the style of an interviewer when I was a lawyer. I didn't examine people on the witness stand the way most lawyers did. I always did it like an interviewer because I wanted to gain their confidence and get them to open up. And I began to realize that I seemed to be able to do that, to get people to really um, let go of their inhibitions and really speak from the heart. And when I looked around, I mean, other than you and me, Richard, I don't think there's anybody doing what we do. And so I, when I retired from the bench, which was last year, I decided I would try it. I would just see if I could get anybody famous to come on the show. It was really just a hobby. And it kind of took off. It wasn't my plan to create another career out of it. But somehow, you know, within six months, we had like a million people watching. And now we're, we're 4.6 million last month. Yes. And, we, we, uh, and before you know it, and you know this because you're so good at it, you get the publicists and the agents and the managers, they start contacting you and asking you mm -hmm. to have their clients on the show. So it just kind of took off. But I learned the best. I learned from the best from Richard. <laughs> Thanks. So what is the, I mean, but seriously, what is the uh, one thing that has surprised you the most about doing, uh, going into this realm at this point in your life? Well, I've learned a lot about show business because, as you said, I have no experience in it. But the thing that surprised me the most is the more talented and famous they are, the more successful they are, the nicer they are. Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed by that. I never would have expected that that the Hollywood community would be so welcoming and, and kind mm -hmm. to a total unknown but um, the people that really, like the legends, the real legends, they are, and I know you know this as well, they're without ego. They're kind and they're generous and they're very compassionate. That was a real surprise for me. And you and I have talked about this uh, because we've had many conversations. Uh, and I will say this, uh, there are a lot of people who do interviews, but and you and I talked about this the other day. You and I are truly, you and I talk with each other and uh, we compare notes and everything. Uh, but most of the people that we've interviewed and we both have been very fortunate in this, we have remained in touch with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's been very nice. I have to say though, Richard, of all the people I've kept in touch with, I really cherish my friendship with you. This is not a business where people are, uh, who are, 
who might be seen as competitors. They're not generally friends and they don't, they're not always nice to each other. And I just love the energy you put out. I love your heart. I love the warmth. I love the way you turn every guest into a best friend. And you make us all feel when we're watching you that we are kind of eavesdropping on this uh, on this conversation between friends. And you make us feel like you get to know not only the guest, but you. And so, you know, I really cherish that you and I have a very special connection that we can talk about what we do in a way that I can't talk to anybody else about it. Well, thank you for that. And on that note, I'm going to let you pick your third. Uh, you get a uh, number one through three. Uh, to pick your question. How about three? And this is actually uh, from a deck called the Impact Deck. And um, what does, and this is an interesting question in this business because you and I have talked about this. What does being strong in this business mean to you? Oh, that's easy. Resilience. I don't think people get enough credit for being resilient. And I think whether it's this business or any business, you have to be able to reinvent yourself. You have to go with the flow. You have to find a way to keep current and relevant and youthful and optimistic. And you have to survive the blows that people throw at you. And there's an enormous amount, you know, any, I mean, I know that Tom and Scott would likely agree with me that, you know, the more success you have in life, the more jealousy you attract. And the, uh, the, unfortunately, it comes with success. You know, mm -hmm. I was the first openly gay judge in Canada. I was the youngest judge ever appointed in Canada. I was the first to end up with a TV show back in the um, early 2000s. And uh, your colleagues are not always happy for you when, you when you become successful. I mean, you and I have a different energy between us because... Honestly, I'm so proud of everything you're doing. I feel like you're my brother from another mother. Mm. But I think resilience is really the key to surviving the hardships that life can throw at you. So that's my big thing. Okay. And you get to bring our next guest on one or two. One. And that is, uh, well, a dear friend of mine who actually also has a show coming up and he is going to be at Green Room 42. I'm so proud of him because he has been, since he hit New York uh, from San Francisco, uh, he has taken New York by storm. Uh, he has a new show coming up celebrating uh, Mario Lanza. And uh, if anyone can sing his music, it's this man. Uh, just amazing. Uh, and he has been working for the last, uh, he just did an amazing Kickstarter campaign, which we're going to talk about. And the show's coming up. Sean Patrick Murtaugh, thank you. For Hello. Yes, there you are. Uh, <laughs> you never know when you're going to be popping on. So there Ex you are. That's so, part of the fun. I'll begin by asking you, besides your show, and this, very excited about this as well. Um, you're going to be opening on the 18th. Uh, am I correct? Yes. Yes. Um, beyond that, who or what are you celebrating today? You know, I'm going to piggyback on uh, what Scott uh, mentioned earlier about who he's celebrating. Uh, and both of my grandfathers uh, served in the Air Force. Uh, my father served in the Air Force and my brother served in the Air Force. So three generations. Uh, and on this Veterans Day, uh, I would like to honor them and specifically my grandfathers because uh, they weren't born here. And they were just so happy 
uh, to be American and to be in America uh, that they went out of their way to serve. So uh, really celebrating uh, those two gentlemen specifically. Well, in addition, and thank you for that, in addition to celebrating them, and I mean, with Scott, it's Judy Garland, with you, it's Mario Lanza. Uh, yes. And you have truly devoted your life to celebrating his music. What is it about Mario Lanza and his music that resonates so deeply with you that you truly have devoted your life to this? And what have you learned about yourself through his music? Uh, well, <laughs> Mario represents um, a very uh, interesting time in my life when I was introduced uh, to Mario. Um, and it's, uh, it was a hard time and it was a special time and it made me a stronger uh, person because of that. Um, and I was introduced to, to Mario, uh, by a voice teacher of mine. And, uh, he thought that I could sing this music, uh, and he wanted me to train and to create, uh, become one of the next great tenors. Um, and then, you know, life happens and people fall out and, and things go awry. Um, and when all things was were said and done and all the dust settled, uh, it was Mario's music that helped me to forgive uh, some of the bad things that happened um, and to let go and to get back on track uh, with discovering really the, what my voice is capable of, what I am capable of as an artist. And I always let people know I sing nothing like Mario Lanza. I am not uh, the same type of tenor. Um, and it doesn't matter what your voice is. I really think that's the influence and the power that Mario Lanza, who died over 60 years ago, uh, and still when I sing his stuff and when I talk about Mario, somebody has a story. Somebody has a memory of listening to Mario and their Nana's kitchen while she's making the Sunday sauce and just all these really beautiful things. So if somebody um, can still resonate to this day, then they, deserved, they deserve to uh, be celebrated. And so that's why I uh, am so devoted to the legacy uh, of Mario Lanza and his music. So you've got this album that's also, I mean, your launch, this show is to celebrate the album coming out. And uh, you did this with the Kickstarter campaign. And uh, you went beyond your expectations with this. Uh, the outpouring of love from the community was there for you. Um, what surprised you uh, doing this? And I'm sure going into this must have been very stressful for you. Uh, obviously, you never know what the outcome's gonna be. Uh, but what surprised you the most doing a Kickstarter campaign and getting to your ultimate goal of, and now here you are? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a huge learning curve. Uh, one, getting a project funded, uh, and two, then having to navigate uh, and be your own producer and get your own team and put all, it, the, the entire journey um, has been so stressful in such a rewarding way um, that I feel uh, a little more knowledgeable about this industry and about how to get things done and really what I'm capable of uh, in, in calling the shots. But regarding the Kickstarter, the, the biggest thing and the biggest surprise, I, I knew who would donate. You know, I knew my mom, my dad, my brothers. I knew, I knew who would donate. Um, but people from kindergarten who I haven't spoken to in decades uh, who found it and were like, oh, we remember you. 
singing on the on the playground and always singing in class and making people laugh and you just love to perform and we're I just wanted to help you get this started and you know that was a long kindergarten was a long time ago <laughs> um <laughs> people came out of, it's it's amazing to to really think like how people remember you um and how people go out of their way to support you that is it's very humbling to ask for money um but even more so when when people do show up that's uh, that's amazing and uh so i'm gonna let you pick our next question uh one or okay. two i will go with two and the question is how can you create more space to be vulnerable <laughs> i think you do that every day in this business <laughs> and how do you create more space to be vulnerable um i have been working on building trust with myself that people whether they like you or dislike you has nothing to do with you and at the end of the day you're going to be okay you might lose some people you might gain people but you only have one life unless you're talking to shirley mclean uh, <laughs> which i'm more in line with that but for this life you only get shot one shot at this life um so at some point you have to remember that there's a time to 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 get the the um, training wheels off and really trust the process. May flop, may go well, um, but you will always be stronger uh, from it. So it's it's cultivating that trust and really living with intention. What is what is behind me being vulnerable? What is behind me being open? What is behind me wanting to make music? Um, and it's 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 really that. And I could say if you can find 20 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes to meditate each day um, or even just set intention, but it, whether it's setting intention, meditating or praying, if you can carve out some time in the day and just focus on that and allow yourself to think of the possibilities uh, of of staying open, of being vulnerable, of being there to serve other people. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring on our next guest, um, who's been very patient, uh, waiting in the wings. Um, but before I do, uh, I want to share something. Uh, I'm going to drop a name, uh, Carol Channing. She once said to me, for every person who likes you, there are an equal number who don't. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I can't imagine <clears throat> anyone not liking you, Sean. Oh, thank uh, you. you. You are a really wonderful guy, and I'm lucky to call you friend. Um, so, uh, upon a rock, and he has been waiting very patiently in the wings. Uh, I am so thrilled that he's finally here, uh, and uh, I am going to bring up, I'm going to change this for just a moment. You've got so many uh, hashtags here. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I've been, you know, uh, trying to get the money. You have a, a book out that has is this the second or third printing that it's in uh it's it's still in the first printing but uh we're hopeful it's going to go into the second printing it's the best-selling book ever for my publisher pace press it's uh, a gay mystery thriller set in italy and uh armistead Maupin gave it my favorite review he called it an elegant <clears throat> twisty thriller and fenton johnson another great gay literary voice yes, called yeah. it the gay da vinci code but a lot better <laughs> 
Oh my God, I love this. I was performing in San Francisco once and when I was performing a hundred years ago as Carol Channing and Armistead Maupin was in the audience and I brought him up on stage, not realizing I was bringing Armistead Maupin on stage. <laughs> and I asked his name and I and he said, I'm Armistead. And I said, oh, like in Maupin. And the entire audience, <laughs> the entire audience was on the floor. Yeah. So, uh, Congratulations, and uh, but I understand that there's buzz of this going the route of being going the movie route. It is, but before, thank you, thank you for the shameless plug. Every author appreciates that, and I was not upset to wait. Listening to you all talk has been great. Also, being in the room with so many Scorpios, I'm sorry for the those of you who aren't, but I mean, what, it's what my can rising I say? sign. It's yeah. My what can I say? Sign. Scorpio's rule. Yes, the, the book is currently being turned into a screenplay. My screenwriter, Rodney Vance in Southern California, has some great credits to his name. And I don't have to tell people in this room who are in the arts and performance that, yes, it's great. The screenplay is being written, but now I have to sell it uh, and get it get it optioned. So uh, fingers crossed or everything else you have two of crossed. We're hoping that Upon This Rock will go to the big screen or I think my screenwriter and I actually think it would be a wonderful Netflix sort of Amazon Prime series. It's got two gay detectives based on two good-looking young guys from San Francisco. I have no idea who inspired them. You've got spies, you have assassins, and you've got a scandal that might bring down the Catholic Church. So um, it's got a lot in there, but of course, you can't trust me. I'm the author and a PR guy. Well, I have to ask, David, what inspired you to write this book? Well, the, the shorter answer is a real life incident. My husband and I lost what Armistead Maupin, to quote him again, would have called our logical family. Four wonderful men, uh, one of whom was my lifelong mentor who spent the last two years of his life with us and then in hospice. They all died within less than a year. And we were really kind of fried and we needed a break. And out of the blue, a friend of mine emailed us while literally we were at hospice with my friend and said, do you know anyone who would like to do a house swap? We want to come to San Francisco and we've got a little apartment in a little town in Italy called Orvieto. And we said, we'll take it. He said, well, don't you want to know about the town? I'm like, Italy, small town, two months. We took it. So we went and the winter of 2014 into 2015, we were there. And the day we arrived, we stumbled upon a true story. There was a young gay man. Well, young man who was a week away from ordination. And by all accounts, he was very beloved in this little town. And his path to the priesthood was stopped because the Vatican sent him a fax saying, we hear you're gay, and so we're going to deny you the priesthood. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Catholic Church, that's very unusual. And the poor kid was so distraught, he threw himself from the cliffs of this town and killed himself. Mm. And as someone who grew up Catholic at one point, wanted to become uh, a priest, and certainly am not uh, in any way unaware of the tortures the Catholic Church has uh, bestowed on we gay men or gay people, it really angered me. And the more I delved into this true story, I realized I needed to write about it. So the book upon this rock is fiction, but it is inspired by this, this real event, the suicide of this young man, Luca Sedata in Orvieto. Wow. How long did it take you to write this book? And did it just, just pour right out of you? Yeah, the short answer is it just poured right out of me. The first two months we were there, I would say I wrote about 60 to 70% of it. And over the next year and a half, finished it entirely. It was finished in 2020 during COVID, 
I thought, what a terrible time to launch a book. But I was later told everyone's reading. So I think that and the kind reviews by people like Armistead and, and Fenton helped get a lot of readership. And then it won two awards, silver medal from the Independent Book Publishers Association. It's kind of the Oscars of independent book publishing. And then best gay book of 2021 from the San Francisco Book Festival. So it's doing really well. Uh, Sharon Gless, the other day, you mentioned Sharon. I was lucky enough to be with her this past weekend in Palm Springs at the Pride on the Page Book Festival, the first LGBT book festival in Palm Springs. And Sharon has a brand new book out called Apparently There Were Complaints. It's her uh, yes. amazing biography. And she was interviewed on stage by her one-time co-star co from Queer as Folk, Peter Page. So, you know, the, the, the gay literary world has actually grown. The, the path that people like Armistead Maupin and Fenton Johnson paved, literally those of us who are in the performing arts, I feel that we are able to be out because so many people in the 60s and 70s were out. So, you know, my hat is off to all of them and especially a great LGBT ally like, uh, like Sharon Gless. God bless you and congratulations. And I can't wait to read the book. Uh, and it is available as everyone can see there on Amazon. Congratulations. And everyone, I wanna say when you get, not if, when you get the book, please, please, please leave a review on Amazon. It's very important to do so. Um, my question for you, and then I'm going to bring up our word of the day. And the question for you is take a moment to get clear on the future you're saying yes to with your actions. And I think you're very clear on what you, where you want to go with this. So um, do you have a game plan moving forward with everything? Well, yes. First of all, I, I, I wouldn't be doing any interview without giving credit to my best friend, my husband. We say we've been married for 24 years. The uh, state of California is somewhat less, but Alfredo Casuso, who is my rock and the most talented part of our business, he's here with me today. We thank him. So my path forward is to try to keep Alfredo entertained and loving me. I think that's going to keep happening. And to turn the book into a screenplay or a movie. And the sequel is already in the works. There is a sequel uh, with two of the main characters, Adriano and Lee, gay detectives, and a very wonderful woman named Magda, who is a spy. So uh, keep, your, keep your eyes peeled. And you can get it, more information at davidperry.com. My God, I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, uh, each day, those who follow me know I choose a word of the day. And the word that I pull today, and if this show doesn't epitomize this, nothing does. And the word I chose for today is individuality. And that's going to be our word for our giveaway tonight. Um, and I want to ask each of you, uh, because each of you are so unique uh, in your own individual selves. And I do believe we live in a culture with a lot of my interviews. I always ask for everyone to come up with a photograph of everyone at five years of age, because to me, the five-year-old self, and especially in the world that we're living in now, um, I can speak, you know, we're all gay men here. We are living in a world where the other night I heard the governor of Florida, who just got reelected, say, that Florida is the state where woke goes to die. Uh, here is a man who has said that it's not okay for children to be who they are. Uh, and uh, I, I, it just kills me that, uh, and people cheer this on when they hear this, that we're living in a world where children are not allowed to be who they are. And we have adults 
saying that it's not okay for kids to be living their authentic selves. And a lot of us don't find our authentic selves until we become adults. And many of us never find that it's okay to live our authentic selves, which is a huge shame. So I wanna ask each of you, and I'll start with you, Tom. Um, and I think that you do live your authentic self, at least I hope oh, yeah. you do, yes. Um, when did you find your authentic self? And when did you feel that, in, in, and how did you begin for those out there who may question living their authentic selves, that when did you give yourself permission to live your authentic self? Um, I think probably around age 16 when I, when I actually realized that I was gay, that I, that I could put a label on it and understood that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't out to anybody at that point mm -hmm. for a couple, or a year and a half maybe. But where did you grow up, Tom? Uh, in the Hudson Valley, actually, about uh, in Orange County, New York, which is about 65 miles north of New York City. Um, I, I do, though, <laughs> going back to Henry Mancini, and I actually tell this, tell this story in my show, because I use the word individuality when I tell the story. When I was, uh, I, think, I think it was either sixth or seventh grade, and one of my friends had a dance party after school, and all the kids were, were showing up with, you know, like um, Stevie Wonder and Elton John records. <laughs> came with a Henry Mancini record. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it got played, but I look back now and I think, hey, you know, way to go, Tom. Show your individuality even then. <laughs> but, but so, yeah, I've been I've been pretty much following my own drummer from the from the get go. Good for you. And that's great. And I and I did the same thing. So uh, I was playing Carol Channing records in high school. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Scott Brogan, uh, when did you uh, begin to give yourself permission to live your authentic self? Well, I can relate to the whole listening to different music than everybody else around you because I was the show tune queen from like day one. I can memorize a show tune in two seconds, I swear. I don't know what it is, but I got that gay gene of show tunes. You know, I didn't get the decorating gene or the fashion gene, but I got the show tune gene. <laughs> so I was buying all of those MGM soundtrack records and everything, and everybody else was buying, you know, Elton John and Paul McCartney and all of that. Um, but anyway, uh, to your question, I was an early bloomer. I, uh, I knew I was different, and it bothered me for a long time at first in grade school and junior high because I knew that I liked the boys, and I had crushes on boys very, very early. But... Um, my parents were very instrumental in um, helping us be our own selves. And I posted on Facebook just the other day as a joke of my birthday. That's why it's so funny that you mentioned this. I, I wanted an easy bake oven for my birthday so bad because I thought that was the, and this was in 1968. And I thought and that last Friday was easy bake oven day. I I, yeah, somebody, yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> I love it. But it was the turquoise, you know, the old yeah. one with the light bulb and everything. And it wasn't that I had aspirations to be a, a baker, really. I just thought it was really cool. It was a cool, like you could make cakes and pies with a light bulb. I mean, that was just so neat. And my parents, I forgot that they had these pictures. And it's a picture of me at my birthday opening up my Easy Bake Oven. And it was so funny because at the time, 
all the kids were teasing me, you know, like, oh, that's a girl's toy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I didn't care. I did not care. My parents were really cool. They actually got me this for my birthday and they didn't fall into the trope, especially back then of girls toys and boys toys. And I learned a valuable lesson though, because uh, all the people who were teasing me, they were at that back door when I was making those cakes and pies wanting to eat them. So, <laughs> so I learned, but I, I, uh, we lived overseas mostly and I was exposed to a lot of uh, different cultures mm -hmm. um, and lifestyles and religions and food and everything at an early age. So coming out for me wasn't as difficult as it was for most people, most of my peers at the time. Um, and I think a lot of it was, I was just very, very lucky, but I was an early bloomer and um, uh, yeah, started practicing rather early, I should say, <laughs> without getting too graphic. But um, yeah, I mean, but I, we all struggle with it, especially people our age. I think we all struggled with it at least for a little while. Like, why am I different? And, you know, why is, why does it have to be me? And, you know, you have to hide it. I mean, you know, going to a prom with another guy in my day would have been, you know, just social suicide. I mean, you know, it just would have been, would never yeah. happen. You would have gotten kicked out, you know, or turned into a carry you know, episode, maybe who knows, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I was very lucky that my parents were pretty progressive uh, for the time and just let us be us. So we were very, very lucky. And Harvey. Well, I think I'm older than everybody here. I'm 66. So uh, I have to tell you, my parents did not take it. Well, I told my parents I was gay when I turned 19, I was just going off to university and they cut me out. They threw me out and cut me off. Sorry. And that was the a very pivotal experience in my life. And I got very depressed. And I called suicide prevention, and they put me on hold. And I got angry. I got very angry. And I thought to myself, well, why are you angry? If you really want to die, you wouldn't care. So obviously you do care and obviously you do want to live. So I hung up and that was the moment that I decided I'm just going to be myself. Good so for I you. was out, you know, I was out in the seventies. I was out as a lawyer. Uh, everyone told me I'd go nowhere in my career because the legal profession was so conservative. Uh, but I was determined to make something of myself. And uh, here in Canada, we don't elect our judges. You have to be appointed by the government. And I, I did get appointed. And um, so being an individual for me has worked, has worked. I've actually was able to carve out a career for myself, partly because I was such a, a unique individual and not really like other lawyers, certainly not like other judges. So I, I'm a big fan of individuality. Good for you. Thank you, Sean. Uh, yeah, I also, I think, had it just thrust upon me. I never had uh, any big issues. I mean, sure, there's awakenings throughout, you know, your your teen years and all that. But when I, like much like Scott, when I asked for She-Ra dolls uh, at Christmas, uh, my parents got me She-Ra dolls. Uh, when I was in third grade and we had to do poems of the week, I came with costumes. We had to recite the poem of the week. I came with costumes and props. In, in sixth grade, when we had to do uh, a book report, 
I did it on Tina Turner. Like I was just <laughs> the gayest thing. And and by, you know, by request on the playground, people would say, do your Tina dance, do your Tina dance. And I would do my Tina dance, you know, on the playground at elementary school. I really um, was fostered uh, to be my extremely flamboyant uh, gay self. Not that there weren't issues, not that there not that everyone was uh, okay with it, but overall, it really, um, I, I was given permission. Um, and I think it's really important, you know, like my parents, you know, they were children of immigrants, so they didn't really have the traditional uh, American upbringing that, you know, everyone their age had. So they didn't really, they, they just wanted to make our childhood great. You know, they had responsibilities at my age uh, that I didn't. And so they just wanted to make my childhood as great as possible and my brothers and 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 they did and to this day they're still extremely supportive and when i you know show up in caftans they're like love it <laughs> so, <laughs> and your pantsless shows and my uh, pantsless shows yes, uh, <laughs> uh and uh david well thanks I, I know we only have a couple seconds left but it's interesting the stories about playing with toys when i was on santa's knee at age five you know you sit on santa's knee and you're talking to the microphone so your parents can hear what Santa's supposed to bring you. And Santa said, what do you want? And I said, I want a Raggedy Ann doll. And he said, oh, no, you must mean a Raggedy Andy doll. And I said, <laughs> no, I want a Raggedy Ann doll. And to my mother's credit, I got a Raggedy Ann doll. But over the years, I went to Catholic school, all boys military school. I knew I was gay. I knew I was different. And I worked very hard not to be femi. Uh, and, you know, tr trying to pass, whatever that means. And years later, after my parents and my grandmother had died, I was on the phone with my cousin Claire in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, I came out to her. And she said, oh, sugar. She said, we've always known. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, we knew when you were ready, you'd let us know. And she said, you know, I got to tell you something. Just because we're farm folks from Virginia doesn't mean we're hicks. And it really taught me something not to assume. So I started living my authentic self at age 20 when I came out to my cousin, Claire. And I hope she's listening today. Love you, Claire. Love Thanks you, so Claire. much. I'm, I'm sorry you weren't surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't go anywhere, anyone, for just a moment, because we're going to do our giveaway. And then I'm going to have uh, my closing remarks. Thank you all for being here today. Richard, uh, can I just say one quick thing? Yes. You know, when I was a porn star, I was pretty successful. But if I had had Sean Patrick's mustache, there would have been no limits. <laughs> <laughs> and there are no limits with Sean. So, Very Russ few. Woolley, Russ Woolley is our winner today. I, uh, Russ, give me a call hey, later. Russ. Uh, and uh, Russ, I will put you, as a matter of fact, uh, Tom, uh, Russ, if you're available, join me and we'll go to Tom's show together. Tom, you'll bring the T-shirt if you're able to. And I'll buy the T-shirt that night if you're able to. Yes, I will, I will have that. I'll, I'll have it printed and get it for so, you. So uh, we'll talk about that if you're able to do that. Um, I'm going to say a few closing remarks, and then I'm going to give you each a chance to have your closing remark today, if you all have the time to do that. So, And I'll try to keep things moving. I'm reminded of uh, a Leslie Jordan story, just to remember him for a moment. He said, when he was a little boy, um, it was Christmas. And he went and he was sitting on Santa's lap. And this reminds me of you, David. He sat on Santa's lap and uh, he said, um, Santa said, well, what do you want? And he says, I want a big bride doll. And uh, he said his father almost passed out when he said this. 
And uh, his mom and dad were standing over there. And he said his father was this big butch guy who was in town. And, you know, and his mom said to his dad, he says, well, what are you going to do? And he's, well, I don't know. He said, we can't give him a, a big bride doll. And he said, I just had to have that big bride doll. I just had to have it. And he said on Christmas morning, he says he walked in and he said there was the biggest bride doll you could ever imagine. He said, I sat down in the middle of my living room and I peed right in the middle of the floor. And he said, and I'll never forget that, that my mom and dad loved me so much that they let me have that. And, you know, and I saw a show at Don't Tell Mommy years ago. And this guy in the show, I won't mention his name, but he said that his parents let him play with dolls when he was a little boy. And he didn't know that it wasn't okay to play with dolls until his first day of school when his teacher said, little boys don't play with dolls. And he said for the first time in his life, he thought something was wrong with him. So again, I celebrate Tom and Scott and David and Sean and Arby. I celebrate everybody who's here. That's what this show is about. I celebrate everyone in their body of worth. Um, I, you know, as you all know, I've been, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Reach out into your database, your phone list, whatever it is. Reach out to someone and that you haven't spoken to in a while and let them know what they mean to you because none of us are promised the next hour, tomorrow, or anything. It's very important that we reach out to those people that we haven't spoken to in a while and let them know what they mean in our lives. Um, I've always said, uh, as my dear friend Sean Moniker says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And someone sent me something the other day, and it said, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Some of us are in dinghies, some of us in yachts, some of us in canoes. Uh, our boats are all different. But I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, whether you be in a canoe or a raft or a yacht, just make sure you bring a skipper along. So I am going to leave the screen. I'm going to get, uh, turn it over to you, Tom. Uh, and then when you finish, you'll pick the next person and so on and so on and so on. And when the last person is standing, don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. Everybody, check these guys out. All of their information will be on my YouTube channel. If you're able to either see Tom or Sean or David or Scott or Harvey, wherever <coughs> we are, please take the time to do so because... All of them are important, and it's important that we celebrate each other, not only today, but every day. And again, thank you to our veterans for the work they've done. Tom, it's all yours. Thank you. Well, thank you, Richard. This has been quite a pleasure. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I am brutally honest in, in all aspects of my life. And I have to say, it's, it's been a, oh, my cat, sorry. It's been a real pleasure to be surrounded today by people who I can tell are also equally honest about themselves and the world. So it's been a pleasure, guys. Sorry, that's making a lot of noise. Uh, take it away, Scott. All right, okay. Um, well, I just wanna thank Richard for having me because it's always a joy with Richard and it's so great to meet all of you guys as well. You guys are awesome. And Sorry, I had a bug fly past me. I'm not crazy, it's, it was a bug. But anyway, um, I just want to end with telling everyone to have an amazing holiday season and uh, to uh, piggyback on what Richard said, 
is just go out there and just be as kind and nice as you can, because that's all anybody can ask of us is to be good people and treat everybody the way that we want them to treat us. So have a wonderful holiday, everyone. Thank you. And do I hit leave studio? I guess. And I just want to thank Richard so much for having me on the show and for all the positivity that he puts out in the world. I hope you will all continue to support Richard even after he leaves Facebook on December the 1st, which I'm hoping is a pause, not a permanent departure. And I send uh, Richard my love and all of the viewers my love as well. Thank you so much. Hello. Uh, I would just like to uh, reiterate um, <clears throat> something that I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the show. Uh, and I would love for everyone to just take some time every day and cultivate the trust uh, you have in yourself uh, and discovering new things about yourself. Uh, and that will allow you to be more authentic to the people around you and to be better uh, to be around uh, and to be able to help and support those around you. Uh, so take some time to love yourself as much as you love your friends. And uh, thank you, Richard, for a wonderful afternoon uh, and for helping this community uh, stay positive.